0: Uh, we got another great episode coming up here on PTSM, and uh, you remember a few months back, I was at that uh, tremendous event, StarCast, and of course, All In, that took place uh, outside of Chicago at the end of August, uh, September 1st, exactly, when the um, All In event took place, and Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis, who was the champion. The uh, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion uh, put his belt on the line, and Cody Rhodes uh, was victorious that night. Well, they've got a a great uh, rematch coming up, and it's taking place at the uh, NWA 70th anniversary. Uh, It's hard to believe that uh, the NWA has been around since the 40s. The late 40s is when... The NWA debuted uh, in, in whatever form uh, <laughs> that organization was at the time. But still, it's pretty amazing that it has lasted this long, especially with uh, everything that has uh, taken place over the years and, of course, the rise of the WWF, WWE. But uh, I, me- I met Nick there, and we did a, a brief interview. I-, I got to do an old-school interview with him for the event itself. But uh, I was so impressed by him, and a- as I was with a number of these uh, these young people who are changing the world of professional wrestling right now, and Nick Aldis is one of them, and uh, he's out to get his belt back. And we're going to be talking a lot about uh, what you know what they're doing uh, with uh, the business these days, and he's got a really really great approach to this and how he loves to see these matches presented. And you're going to hear it all coming up. Let's get to this conversation then. Let's let's hear from Nick Aldis. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Folks, I am uh, really, really happy to welcome my guest this week on Primetime with Sean Mooney. We actually uh, had a brief conversation at uh, All In at StarCast uh, back at the end of August, Uh, but uh, he... uh, Is an incredible uh, wrestler, but uh, the brief time we got to have the conversation, what people have uh, also told me about him who have worked very closely with him, he is an incredible person as well. Nick Aldis joins us. Um, Once a champion, always a champion, Nick. um, And I know you've got a chance to uh, get your championship back, uh, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, uh, when you meet Cody uh, again, in this rematch that's taking place at the NWA 70th anniversary show in Nashville, man, uh, a lot has been going on in your life these days. How are you?
1: What a what a professional you are, Sean. What a, what are how refreshing it is to be with a with a total pro like yourself. You just just <laughs> covers all the bases right off the bat. Gets all the gets all the pertinent information out there. NWA 70, October 21st, Nashville, Tennessee, available right. on Fight TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed our brief conversation and what I really enjoyed, and I, I know I said this on Twitter, I really enjoyed getting to do uh, a promo with you. You know, that's uh, a, a real honor for me. It was something I never thought I would be able to do, you know? And so it was a, a really cool moment. It was sort of sprung on us last minute. We would, we were in the, um, in the green room at the, I hate to, to destroy the illusion and break the fourth <laughs> wall, but we actually, <laughs> we were in the green room at uh, the weigh-in at StarCast, you know, it yeah. was um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and uh, it was sort of sprung on us. And I remember thinking, God, this is so cool. But at the same time, I, I said to uh, Dave Lagana, I was like, well, thanks for, thanks for putting me on the spot because in the room at that time, if I can just ta- I'd go off on a tangent here for a sec in the Oops. room at that time, just, uh, were the the all the key players behind All In and Starcast? All of yeah. the all the key players were for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, it, it just so happened at the time that the all the key players and management for Impact Wrestling were in the green room. Uh, Jeff Jar was in there. Obviously, the key players for the NWA. It, basically uh all of the sort of all of the brain trusts of the sort of of most of the well, and, and ring of honor yeah there was some ring of honor guys there too so pretty much all the key players <laughs> for most of the major wrestling brands outside of wwe were all in this room at that one time plus all the key talent um and everyone's like okay everyone be quiet for a second yeah <laughs> he's gonna do this promo with Sean Mooney. and i remember thinking oh, i better i better do this in one take i can't have any flubs here
0: well big uh, too <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, but I don't think. But we we weren't con- we weren't we weren't concerned that you were gonna you were <laughs> gonna do that, Sean. You're a total
0: pro. Oh, well, it was really funny though because, uh, and I didn't even know that 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 uh, room was you know had that many different people from so many different parts of the business. Uh, and, and you know what, Nick, nobody's called me, so I'm uh, I'm. <laughs> 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 well, but it was funny because Cody, you know, we're, we're standing there. and I, I knew we were going to do this. I had my monkey suit on but I didn't you know. I thought we were going to go to a part of the arena to make it look like we we're backstage somewhere. And they're like, let's do it here. We'll have a guy come in with a camera and uh, you know, and it's like the old, uh, have fun with it, you know, <laughs> like, no direction, right. just, just go, just get it right. Just remember you say it's NWA world heavyweight champion. And I'm like, right. Okay. That was the one direction I got, but uh, right. it was, it was fun. Right. And I loved the, you know, it brought me back to the old school stuff. And it was, it, it really was fun
1: i love i love doing stickman promos like that's yes. always been my favorite way to do it for some reason it, it i i enjoy the i feel like there's something a bit more natural to it being able to bounce off someone else and and yeah. obviously when someone like yourself who who just knows how to frame it and tee it up so well it just it just makes it to me i've always done better with that that was that was sort of how i was able to make a name for myself uh, in the UK yeah. doing doing gladiators because all of the all of the sort of promos would, were done that way. And then and then I, I would always push for those um, you know, at any time, you know, anytime I had a choice on the matter, I'd always you know, if they ever say, you know, do you want to do it by yourself or do you want to be interviewed, I always say interview
0: because yeah.
1: to me, that was always the it, there, there was always something a little less, there was always something a bit a bit strange to me, even as a kid, watching someone talk with no one to talk to. I know they're talking to me at home, you know, and they're yeah. talking to their opponent ostensibly. But there was always something strange to me about them not having Mean Gene or yourself or somebody like that there to 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 sort of to tee it up and get them ready. Because then you go, OK, and it feels more legit that way. And I, I loved it. I, I, I would always do them that way if I had the chance.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, uh, and I don't know if you've had an opportunity to uh, meet and actually, uh, ha- you know, have a conversation with Gene Okerlund, but you know, it really is—it's a—it's a, a lost art in a, in a lot of ways. And you know, Gene and and I have had conversations about it that you know that that was a major part of of putting people over was uh, that ability to. Um, you know, if you were a heel, for example, you could walk that fine line where you were threatening, you are intimidating, but you didn't cross it, but you got, you know, you got the heat going and then, uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of fear factor. You can see, you know, the guy holding the stick, he doesn't quite know, you know, but he's got Absolutely. his job to do. And it really, it, I don't know what happened where that somehow disappeared because it, it was really a huge part, I thought, uh, wow. of really uh, helping uh, characters develop. And and also uh, giving those you know those people a chance to really put over a storyline. I mean, it was uh, it's too bad. It really is. I, well, you know,
1: well, you you know what, Sean, um, I, I, it's definitely something that I am I, I am spearheading and pushing very hard to to reintroduce in a big way with with the NWA as we move forward. So that's yeah. that that that's definitely one one area that I think is you know I agree with you on that. I think it's missing, and I think that. I think in in a very practical way, um, it it gives guys a chance to develop their mic skills because yeah. if you're not if if you're not going to script every single thing, and I'm not uh, and this isn't a dig, this is a, you know before anyone clickbaits, this this isn't a this yeah. isn't a, a criticism at anyone who decides to do it that way. Yeah, I just. If you're not going to script everyone's promos, you know, verbatim and have them rehearse them over and over again, then having yeah. the, having a really good professional stick man there can help them, you know, can help guide them when because, you you know, you I'm sure you had this many times. You can tell when a guy's starting to, to go off off the reservation oh, yeah. and you yeah. can help steer him back on track. And that's what guys like you and Gene Oakland were so good at was just being able to take over again for a second to let them sort of recalibrate and then, and then get them right back on track so that they don't lose their mystique, which is a huge thing. You know, it's a, such an important part to me anyway, for the viewer at home. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm so glad that you touched on that because for me, I always remember one of my favorite, uh, stick promos, you know, there's so many, but I remember when you, when you interviewed, um, uh, Ric Flair and, and Kurt Hennig at WrestleMania eight uh, before he was going to wrestle Savage with, yeah. and they were doing the angle with Liz and the, and then they were threatening. They were going to have the centerfold, you know, put on the big screen. And they, they just right. kept, they got so much mileage out of that. And you're, and, and I, see, that's, that's why I think Stickman, you know, promos are so important because you provide the barometer to the people at home, right. you know, you, you, you're giving the reaction that, that you're, you're sort of, it's the same way, the same way that an announced team does is that they're, they're essentially communicating, uh, you know, and, and verbalizing what what the audience should be feeling, whether they're, you know, if, uh, like the play-by-play will typically lean towards the, the baby face. And then, you know, traditionally the color guy would lean a bit more towards the heel and try to sort of justify, you know, their actions. And and in the same way, you would do these, you have these great, you know, where they would say something really distasteful or whatever, and, you know, and they're laughing and and carrying on. And you would just sort of look to the camera kind of like, Oh, I can't, I, I can't tell them what I really think because I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to get on the wrong side of these guys, but you know, but you know what I feel about this folks, you know, like you're saying all that with your face and you know, like, let's go over to Gene Oakland, you know, like, and it, yeah. it was great. Like, cause it's, you know, cause you're, you're the, you're the barometer for, for the emotion of the audience.
0: Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the times that's what you're thinking. I would always think like, if this, if somebody was watching was in this room, what would their reaction be to what they're saying? And yeah. you're exactly right. That's you're you're saying. You know, I'm I'm uh, validating exactly what you're thinking. Like that is outrageous. Can you believe that that's what they 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 plan to do? To you know, like you said, Miss Elizabeth or whoever it was. And uh, you know, that that was uh, through many 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 hours of listening and watching Gene Orkelen, who the you know people always ask me, who do you think the you know the best backstage analysis? Where I said, there's Gene Orkelen and there's the rest of us because uh gene was just or you know it still is but uh in the day when we were we were uh working these events you know every week uh it was just incredible to watch him because he, he didn't even have to say a word in some of these things it was just his look or his reaction or you know and uh i you know that's the thing that i think we we balance each other very well I never wanted to, you know, tried to be like Gene, but I, boy, did I learn a lot from that guy. I mean, there was no question about it. Uh, we've got, uh, there's a lot of ground I want to cover, uh, here, but, um, because we mentioned it off the bat, uh, you know, you, because and many of the things that you guys are doing today, I, I think is, is just reinvigorating every ounce of what is happening in professional wrestling these days and, and giving people a real alternative, um, so with that, because we're going to be talking about you know the NWA 70th anniversary, but leading up to this, and I know that you guys—I don't know if it was a it was a plan or it was a natural organic thing—that you guys have been building. Um, but getting to all in, and uh, I, I know it's had, you've had a chance to to let it settle in now, but what happened in Chicago, uh, just outside of Chicago, I should say, at, at that event, as far as how, the impact that you've you've seen now on professional wrestling.
1: Yeah. Um, it certainly a lot of it was organic and, and yeah. obviously we have obviously, um, it has dominated, uh, the conversation, you know, for, for myself and for, you know, all the other sort of key players at that, at that event, um, for, you know, several months before it and, and now, you know, following it and, and with good reason because, uh, it was <clears throat> such a success. um on on so many levels i think that first and foremost you know credit where it's due the 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 bucks and cody you know Mm -hmm. drew that drew that house they absolutely it was it was a testament to uh a a sort of real hunger from their fan base and loyalty to them especially nick and matt who have spent many many years cultivating this you know grassroots following that's now culminated in in where they're at now And, and you know they're set to set to make some really serious money which they absolutely deserve to make and um, I think it was, you know, it, 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 in many ways, the fact that they sold those tickets so fast with no card was was such yeah. a, really just a, it was it was it was a message from the audience basically saying we're we're with you. You know, we we want to see we we want someone else to to have a big time event. You know, we we don't no I don't think I, I've heard a couple of people refer to it almost like as a protest vote, you know, and, and I don't agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I don't I don't, yeah, right. Because I think that what it what it really is is that fans just love the idea of being at some other big time event that isn't WWE, you know, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely fine because you know for for the, for all intents and purposes, with the exception of a handful of Ring of Honor shows and a handful of you know TNA shows over the last decade and a handful of uh, New Japan shows in the last couple of years. They haven't had the chance to be with with a sort of real rabid audience in that in that big time feel without it being uh, you know WWE because they've they and they've seen the Tokyo Dome shows and they've seen these mm-hmm. these shows overseas even you know even like TNA would would you know would draw big numbers in the UK for example we would do really well at Wembley and Manchester and Glasgow and stuff and I think that there was this there was almost this there, there it was this realization with the audience here where they went hang on like we we can change this just by by going you know by yeah. by, by being part of it and, and just kind of supporting it and um and then for us uh the the early i want to the flirtation i suppose <laughs> started probably around um it's it started around march or maybe february because they they ring of honor invited me to their big show in new orleans that, that piggybacked on wrestlemania um mm. and and they had me go out and just sit there, you know, sit in the front row just to, and during during Marty girls match because M- Marty and I have been friends since we were teenagers. Yeah, and it just planted the seed of like, oh, I wonder what's happening there. And we just we just took our time with the whole thing and that and I think that that was what why we we got such a great response to the whole thing and why we've been able to carry it forward and why really when it came to the NWA seventieth, there was really no no choice but to do a rematch because the, because people were just so in love with the with the with the rivalry you know and they just saw this thing went wow like what a great rivalry this is this reminds me of of the old nwa
0: title rivalries from the 70s and 80s well nick that is awesome but uh hold the thought for a minute because i've got to talk directly to my loyal listeners out there now guys you remember the days when you were always ready to go you know what i'm talking about well now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. And listen to this, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. Uh, listen to this, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So, you can be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Now, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a very discreet package, so no no more of those in-person doctor visits, no more waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And, they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than in any pharmacy. Now, uh, maybe you heard about this. When this product first came out, uh, people loved it. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it, it was so popular, they ran out of Bluetooth. You couldn't get it anywhere. Now it's back. So, how long? How long is it going to be around? So this is your chance. And right now, we, right here on Primetime with Sean Mooney, have a very special deal for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com. That's bluechew.com. And get your first shipment. I can't believe they're doing this. I got Is this right? You go to bluechew.com and you get your first shipment free. Yeah, free. When you use our special promo code. And that special promo code is PRIMETIME. That's PRIMETIME. P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. And all you have to do is just pay $5 for shipping. But you get your first shipment for absolutely free. Again... That's B-L-U-E, dot BlueChew.com, and use the promo code PRIMETIME. Do it now. Getting back, it kind of before that, because you mentioned something that I think is a really good point, that uh, the 10,000 people, or are the, the, are the people who bought those tickets... Uh, it wasn't a protest because, it, and if you, and I think if people say that, then they don't they didn't know what was going on and what has been going on for a long time now. But um, initially, and I know that uh, you know you've talked about you know the days where you you know you weren't getting booked and you and the and the Bucks and and uh, you know you guys have kind of all stuck together. You had a mission, uh, but what at what point did it go from okay, we're just going to do what we we're going to do and and we're just going to you know, be who we are and we're going to give people what we think they want to where it started to, uh, become this organized thing. And, a, and, uh, and something that you saw was working that you could really build on.
1: Well, honestly, uh, you know, you, you're, you're giving me too much credit because, you know, the, the bucks were really, I've really, and Cody have really been working on this, you know, themselves, like the, the, being the elite guys, obviously it, I'm sort of like a fringe, you know, a fringe friend because, Obviously, I've known them all for a long time um, and worked with them. And obviously, Marty and I are good friends. And so, I always would watch what they were doing and was always, you know, very supportive of it. And I was just and essentially just trying to make my own way. And and when when Billy and Dave, Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana, called me Mm. last year to to describe their vision for the NWA in the modern era and what they you know what they wanted me to do and and how they wanted to sort of go about it. And then asked me for my input, and I gave my input and said, "This is this is the kind of product that I think would resonate today, uh, as opposed to just going out and renting a renting an arena or renting a soundstage, putting a ring in it, and doing more matches. You know, there there are so many matches already, and so many live wrestling shows already. You know, but but no one's taking the time to really luxuriate on the." on the build and the sort of character build and, and the, and the, and building the anticipation, because to me as a kid, the, the whole thing was about anticipation. And mm-hmm. when, and, and, I, and what I saw the, the way that HBO presents boxing and showtime yeah. presents boxing and UFC presents their pay-per-views, it's all about the anticipation. I said this, they're doing it, they're doing it brilliantly. And the wrestling has sort of lost that ability because there's such a demand for volume of product. So, it's just match, 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 and in the meantime, we're also going to sort of build this. You know, there's also a pay per view coming up. Whereas we we took the we took the well, if we could, if we only focus on like a handful of guys, we can afford to wrestle less and make more time creating interesting content to lead to one particular match that people were really interested in seeing. Um, and you know, I just saw. And I was fortunate because obviously not everyone can do that because, you know, you've got to put food on the table. So it's like you've got to do it in a way where you can yeah. still get paid. And, um, you know, and I'm fortunate that I've been able to do that. But like the, the thing for me was I just went once once I described that idea and I know I knew how good Dave was at shooting and editing and directing, um, mm-hmm. despite the, despite the fact that he's known as a writer primarily because we had worked together on some stuff before in TNA that had just kind of not really gone anywhere. And I was just like, this stuff's great. You know, we should put this stuff out more. And, um, I think Cody saw what we were doing and we got his attention, frankly, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what happened. He, he, and then, and then he, he obviously looked at it and started to go, "Oh, imagine, imagine me and him in that scenario and imagine this. And, and we just saw it as a level up and, and, and that's where we're at, you know, because i I'm, I'm I'm loyal to to the NWA at this point, you know, like we, we, they took a chance on me. They gave me this great platform. So I was more than happy to sort of, you know, uh, understanding that Cody would take a lot of oxygen in that, in that equation and take a lot of the spotlight. But it's, you know, to me, it's about building, you know, building all of us in the long run, you know, and, and that's, and that's sort of what led to all in. And once, once he got an idea of, my vision for it. I think he realized that it correlated very, very closely with his own, and he saw it as the opportunity to create this perfect idea for that rocky moment that clearly he's wanted for a long, long time, and he deserved, and we and we got it.
0: Yeah, and um, it, there's also, and I, you've you've mentioned before about this. It's kind of like I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's a fine line, but. You know, whereas you compare these storylines, say with with WWE, which I certainly knew very well back in the 80s and 90s, where a lot of the storyline was over the top, the characters were over the top. Um, but it seems that your your approach, and I I think that Marty is along the same line. Same with Cody, there's this there's this real uh, edge of realism to it that there is the uh, you know you might embellish or it might push it, but a lot of this is it's real life in, in, in many cases that, uh, you, and you think there's a, uh, that's part of the attraction for fans that yes. the,
1: I think that in the, in the age of social media, yeah. we, you know, the, the, the idea of trying to, trying to suggest, um, Oh, well that's, that's, that's not me. That's my character. Mm. You know, and then yeah. and then, but then also, but then also, you know, putting you know stuff about you know your real self out there, unless you're going to be, unless you're going to, com- you know, really, really, really make a con- concerted effort to hide your real life and 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 just present like a persona out there, mm-hmm. then you you have no choice really but to embrace. What your what your real life is because otherwise you otherwise it's just going to be a disconnect. There's just going yeah. to be this, and 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 I have and and this is interesting because I think there was a period where um in, when WWE in the sort of in the early to mid two thousands. Sorry, my son's run yeah. <laughs> running here. What do you
0: want? Hey, I bet I'm he has a pretty. Of... He has probably has a few opinions too on it's, what's uh, what's yeah. happening. Well, do
1: some realism. What's the matter? I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go see mommy Um, (laughs) um, but I think there was an era, there was a period where, where there was a bit of a disconnect with the audience because I think they were starting to do this thing where they were, they were starting to acknowledge what was going on in people's real lives, but then still scripting it. And I think that's a very dangerous game. That's just my opinion, because I think that's where you run into you know, and I and I and I have and 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 just recently, there's been something that's that's come along that's that's hit very close to home with me in that respect. That I had a bit of an issue with, because it's like you can't you can't play both you can't have it both ways, right? You can't say, oh, this, you know, you can't acknowledge people's real lives and stuff in their you know on television in their character and stuff, but then also decide that you get to sort of play God with them, right? Like the, you've yeah. got to sort of go one way or the other. So we we made the effort to say look everybody knows w- what what the real is so you know in, in for me for, take my my story for example everyone knew that i sort of i, I had a good I had a, I had a good run of luck early on in my career my very early 20s you know i was signed at tna when i was 21 came up had you know and and made you know made worked every position on that card, you know, progressed quickly, learned quickly, got, you know, worked my way all the way up to being world champion in that company. Then the company sort of fell off the wagon a little, little bit. And, and, you know, and, the, and, and I decided it was time to move on because I didn't, because I felt like, you know, it, it I felt like I had reached as high as I would get working there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, but you take that risk because then you sort of essentially you're going, you're going off into the wild west and, I had and and it didn't work out as well as I had hoped, you know, and that and and ever and I think people knew that. Because clearly that because everyone expected me to show up in WWE, and then Mm -hmm. for whatever reason that didn't happen. So there was this weird sort of energy around me where people were like, I think there was a reluctance from a lot of people to sort of invest in me as a character because there was like, oh, he's just gonna show up at WWE eventually. Mm -hmm. Until I sort of made it clear, like that, no, I'm this, I'm doing me. Okay, this is who I am, and I'm putting this out there. And then when the NWA came along, I think it fit more of who they realized they sort of went, okay, yeah, like that. we can get on board with this. And it was the first time where they could really see an authenticity to what I was doing and hear, yeah. you know, an authenticity in what I was saying. And I think that to me, uh, real, you know, real or not real is not as important as authentic, you know, and there is right. a difference. And I think the difference is, is that authenticity is something you can feel. Uh, and that's really what people want because, despite the fact that obviously what we provide is escapism for people mm-hmm. in order to escape they it, ha- it has to feel authentic you know right. so it's it's, it's 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 to listening to someone someone on the outside listening to this just thinks what is this guy on about you're yeah. he's, he's going around in circles but but if you if, if you know the business or you or you're a fan of the business you kind of know what i'm driving at when i say yeah, it's that. like
0: going it's going it's like going to a movie you're all and when you get there and you, it, you suspend whatever is around else yes. around you but it's got to be authentic if it's not, yeah
1: yeah you don't want to yeah you don't want to yeah you don't right you don't you don't want to like like the like the Bourne movies are some of my favorite movies and I think that they sort of set a precedent for why and that's how I think that's I personally think that was a big influence on how the James Bond movies were then reinvigorated because I think they looked at that and went how can we still have you know Pierce Brosnan kind of you know swerving around going shaken not stirred and like doing these kind of hokey fight scenes when you've got Jason Bourne like doing these super realistic kick ass fight scenes and you know choking guys out in like dirty gritty showers and stuff and and then suddenly you see casino royale and suddenly it's like this whole new thing he's in shape he's ruthless he's gritty you know the fight scenes are way more believable and i think there was an influence on that because i think people started to go yeah i i've seen enough real fighting you know to know that this, this ain't it, you know, ju- yeah. <laughs> judo chop, judo chop to the neck of a security guard and him falling <laughs> down. is not, yeah. is not going to cut it anymore, you know? And no. and I think that that was kind of the same sort of thing where I think that, you know, that you don't, you don't want to see the boom come across the shot in a car, you know, in a car chase, but you, it, it, you, you still know it's not real, but you just want to know that there's a yeah. chance that it could be.
0: And I think that uh, that's like with the characters and I'll use three as an example. I mean, yourself, as you, you've just explained, but you know, someone like Cody, he, that he lives that story, uh you know a guy who was uh you know with the w w e could have stayed there uh decided that he was going to you know trail uh, blaze his own trail and and took the chance and i mean he lives that Marty the same way you know there just- comes to a point said no i'm I'm going to be Marty Skrull and uh scroll, and I'm going to do you know I'm, I'm this is who I am and not not some character you know you're going to put uh, a name to. And the other thing that I think is, you know, like you mentioned with being authentic, that's you guys are certainly authentic, but also, you know, so the the real feel to these these matches are like fights uh, with the weigh-in, for example, or yeah. uh, the, the the ring instructions. And I remember, you know, I remember the uh, with the WWF, and I remember that we used to have the uh, athletic commissions would have would come in, and p- people thought that was, you know, every, at least with the company, we we're like, oh god, you know, it's such, a, but I, but to me. That added, like you said, made it authentic. You right. had a guy from the Ath- New York Athletic Commission at ringside. Right. You know, so it's kind of like, what? Uh, and so it it's all part, no matter what that crowd may know smart-wise, no, they want you to take them, but it's got to be authentic. And that's, ex- that's, ex- that's why, you know, I really think a lot of people are enjoying this uh, yeah. so much because I'm, of uh, that. I'm-
1: I appreciate you pointing out the in-ring instructions because I, I yeah. will, I will take full credit for that. No, no, <laughs> that was that was something that I, 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 I right from right from the beginning, whether I was defending the title in front of a yeah. hundred people at some mm-hmm. independent show in West Virginia or, you know, or Chicago in that, in that, in that sold out arena. I, I made a point right from the beginning. I said to Dave and Billy, I want to do, definitive in-ring instructions every time and like they're, and and they're linear you know so that, and yeah. I would get and I get with every referee and give them you know and say look you know you can put your own spin on it like I said with Earl you know and and I, that, I thought that was a real key moment of that match when Earl almost got choked up because I think he because he, it meant a lot to him that we that we asked him to be the referee yeah. um yeah. but it also I think it also meant a lot to him to see what we had done because I think he'd been somewhat disconnected from the business you know so I think he was sort of like He knew that it was going to be a good house, but I don't, I think it's still like, like a lot of us, I don't think until we got there, we suddenly realized like, wow, look at this, you know, like, look what these guys have been able to do. And then when we got out there and that, you know, the people were just on their feet and we hadn't even touched, I think, you know, Earl sort of could feel that because look, he's refereed every, every big match you can think of. And like, he, he knew before we went out, I think he started, he could get a feel for the the presentation of it. And we did the long walks with the entourages and all that stuff. And I think he just loved it. And he came. To, he must have come to me ten times that day and said, "So, so I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say something like this. Is this okay?" And I was like, "You don't, Earl Hebner. You don't have to ask me if this. <laughs> is okay. You know what I mean? You you know what you need yeah. to cover." I was like, "I want you to speak from the heart. I want you to tell the truth because Earl used to live. Earl used to live like five minutes from me. You know, we we still have that house on the other side of town, but we we moved to the other side of town now. But he he lived <laughs> like five minutes from us. I used to see Earl all the time. I used to go to his house and get eggs from his chickens. You know, like." <laughs> He really is, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big part of my life. I, I love the guy, you know, and, and, um, yeah. and obviously he goes way back with Dusty and Cody and everything else. Yeah. So I said, look, don't, don't worry about, well, just speak to, speak to Nick and speak to Cody. You know, like, just tell the truth about being in it. So, and then when he stood there for a second, he just sort of went, uh, and you could see, I was like, you know, for him to get, he got a little flustered for a second, but it almost added to the magic of it because I think the people went, wow, look at this, you know, Earl Hebner who's he was in the ring for warrior and, yeah. and Austin, you know, all these, these huge matches. And he's, he's, he's overwhelmed by this match, you know, like yeah. that was a, a real, you know, key moment. And Cody just, just put his arm on his shoulder and just was like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> great this match and blah, blah, blah. May the best man win. And suddenly it was like, and that, and I think that was, and I was, I was so confident that that would be the last piece of the puzzle. I mean, by then I knew we had him, but that was the, and i because I had known going around doing smaller independent shows with the in instructions, I felt it always added that little bit of, of special, you know, a little special feeling to it. So I, I said, you know, I, I want this to, and, and straight away, you know, Billy and Dave picked up on that, on that vibration. And they said, yeah, that this, this is, this is a trademark NWA thing from now on.
0: You know, and I, I want to get back to uh, where you're heading today, but um always on this program. I tell you, Nick, I'm always fascinated by, The path that you travel early on, and uh, I know you were born in—I think a really, really, really small town in England.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, really, I think there was like fifteen hundred people in the whole town. Is
1: Uh, yeah, I highly. yeah, Docking. Yeah, it's a, it's um, what we would you know what we call a village, you know, which is where I, yeah, I say, right. people in America still still sort of find that find that funny, but we there's a, we have a whole sort of different classification for what's a village, what's a town, and what's a city, you know. In, yeah. in, 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 okay, so but yeah, I was born in Kings Lynn, which is about 15 miles from from Docking, where I was you know I grew up, and um, yeah, my parents still live there. uh docking was yeah docking was a a, yeah a a small village but yeah you're right probably yeah probably about a thousand people when i was there it's probably about two thousand now and um (laughs) it's becoming one of those it's becoming one of those gentrified uh places where rich people have second homes now it's sort of a bit like the hamptons you know it's sort Um, of becoming like because it's close to the coast and everything but yeah yeah, the, the real local community thing and and like we had we had you know maybe two pubs uh one 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 convenience store one one fish and chip shop of course um of course one one prime one primary school and a church and 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 well when i was a kid there was still a butcher's shop and a and a a green grocer and stuff like that but um yeah it 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 was and 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 i i wouldn't change it for anything because one because i i lived directly across the street from from a big playing field. So we had football pitches and tennis courts and, you know, players. So I, I just, I played sports nonstop, you know, I was such an active kid. Um, yeah. but I think in, the other thing I think it did for me was it, it forced me to use my imagination. You know, I've always been, a sort of I've always had a very sort of creative, you know, I've always joked and I think we're, people are starting to see this more now because I'm more actively involved on the other side of things with the NWA, but um, people who know, who are close to me in the business will sort of always joke that I've sort of got a producer's mind trapped in a wrestler's body.
0: Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> a good combination. It yeah, yeah. really is.
1: Now I, 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 but it's, it's funny cause I, I, sometimes I'm always impatient to sort of move on from wrestling and work behind the scenes, you know, <laughs> because, because sort of, I get so much enjoyment out of that. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Like there's nothing compared to, you know, like that feeling that Cody and I had stood in, you know, with, with, Ten and a half thousand people just losing their mind haven't even touched. But yes, the, the, to me that it was so gratifying because I enjoyed being a part of the whole process. You know, there was something frustrating when you're a talent and you don't get to be involved in that because when someone up, because you always think, I wonder what would have happened if we'd done my idea. You know, I wonder what would happen if we got to, you know, and I think the best, the best things always happen when everybody combines their stuff. But yeah, um, going back to, to, to where I grew up. Yeah, I was very rural and I, um, and i think that that's what gave me that you know i i we didn't have i didn't have satellite tv until i was a teenager so i i used to have to watch sort of vhs tapes and my friends would tape the shows for me and stuff like that so and i think it just forced me to you know to 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 be imaginative and to really appreciate you know the the possibilities and to sort of think big you know and i think if i'd have grown up in a city where i had access to so much more stuff i i maybe wouldn't have i may have just been distracted all the time by too many other things who knows
0: yeah, well, I'm. Uh, that's uh, an interesting look at it because you think at a, in a small town, you think like, how in the world could I ever, you know, dream that big? But early on, there was that, you uh, know, I, I think th- you, you, you like you said, you played a lot of sports. Were there uh, ones that you thought, hey, you know, I might be a professional. I think you played tennis and, and uh, yeah. you swam. And uh, did you see maybe, oh, that's my way. I don't think you're saying out of here, but a way yeah. to, you know, become what I'm supposed to become.
1: I think, yeah. Well, I honestly, um, yeah. I, 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 was one of those. I was sort of uh, jack of all trades, master of none when it came to sports. You know, like mm. my my father was a was a professional rugby player. So it's like we had, oh. you know, obviously athletically. How did we, you not we,
0: end up playing rugby? You would have been great. People say that all the time. I, you, know? I, you know, I played in college. I actually went on a t- on tour to England and went to, and played in Wales. And man, uh, you know, because here, you know, here in the states, we played hard knock you knock you down on your ass football and you go over there and you learn a whole different game it's it's all about mess and but anyway I I got off the track there. but yeah you would have been a tremendous rugby player
1: it's funny I was like when I was well not really And, and honestly the truth is is that when I was younger I was very skinny I was I really I was not I was not built the way I am now. I was not physically, and, and, and honestly, I don't think I would have fared that well because I didn't have that strength and power that, at that age. I was a sort of a late bloomer in that respect. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because by the time, but I started lifting weights probably when I was like 12 or 13, and primarily because I I had, you know, I, I didn't have a very strong, very strong sort of body image for myself you know didn't really have a I sort of have quite I had kind of low self-esteem in that respect because I was like I was I was a good athlete I was good at sports I could you know I could, could pretty much pick up anything relatively quickly but yeah. but I started to look at myself and you know and I, you know you were a teenager you know obviously that's when the that's when the real sort of ruthlessness starts to begin and I started looking around going god I'm you know I, I don't I'm not very sort of physically impressive here and that was it, and I, and and then and it just sort of coincided with me getting, and I, and some of that definitely had to do with wrestling because I watched it and I started uh-huh. to see it, and then as and that was that coincided with the with the boom of the the Attitude Era, so I started to see guys like Rock and Austin and Triple H, yeah. and Sting and Hogan, on the other side of Goldberg and all these guys, and thinking like, man, look how impressive all these guys are, and you know, and all the rest of it. Uh-huh. So it all worked together, and then and then it, so fast forward maybe a couple of years by the time I was like 15, I was easily the, 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 the most well-built sort of athletically, you know, kid in, in my school. And then, so suddenly then all these people going, why don't you play rugby? And and honestly, yeah. by then, even, even by then I'd, I'd, I'd played in the national I'd played, the, I'd qualified for the nationals in tennis and I'd, and I'd, uh, and I'd swim in the national championships of swimming, uh, in 99, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, and I enjoyed those more because they're individual, you know, and I was, right. like, I was I, in, in football, you know, in soccer in England, you, that it's such a, the, the standard is so high, uh, oh, all uh, yeah. that you, you pretty much know, and I know this because, um, some of my family are in the, are in the sports management business and football agents, you know, so they could tell, they would tell you that most of the time, you know, by the time you're like 15 or 16, whether this kid's going to make it or not. You know, that's how, that's how, you know, and and I, and I knew by then I was like, this, it's not happening for me. So, and I honestly had, I'd lost and you'll hear this of a common thing with people who get into our business is that they lose interest in team sports, you know, because they want the sort of individual spotlight and acclaim. And I, and, and honestly all sports to me just sort of was as by the time I got to that age, like late teens, they just lost their appeal to me because it it was missing something. And then I, it was, it was, um, the year 2000 was the real sort of turnaround year for me, because I felt like the WWF product in the year 2000 was so great. was so, so well done and such a perfect balance of like the, the attitude era stuff on an entertainment level, but it moved away from a little, it wasn't quite so kind of shock value stuff. It was, there was a bit more substance to it, but, and then they had all these great wrestlers that they'd got from WCW, like Jericho and Guerrero and all these guys. And so like every card was just, just brilliant from top to bottom. And I just started going, I don't want to just be like these guys. I want to be one of these guys. Mm. And I, and once I sort of set my mind to that, I just lost all interest in all the other sports. Cause I realized that it was that drama and that sort of that, um, you know, that, that emotion that I, that I also wanted to, to be involved with.
0: Yeah. So how does a kid from docking, where do you go from there? I mean, I, I you know, my, I had a conversation with Marty And, uh, people don't, and I I want to hear your take on this, but I found it fascinating. It's a completely different world than what say somebody here in the States might experience trying to get into the business, uh, going to these, uh, I guess they'd call them almost carnivals where you would go. And, uh, part of it was they'd have these wrestling matches and it was an opportunity for guys that were training to get work in. Uh, Yeah. So how did, how did, uh, how did you get started?
1: So uh, very very similar way, very similar path to Marty, honestly. Um I uh, the, the the difference was that, um being in Norfolk, um the the Knight family, who are m- 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 well known now because of Paige, um that mm-hmm. their her parents and her all her all her family are pretty much in the business. Her brother her, her brothers are both very talented and her mother and father would you know are in the business and um they would run they would run one of the, one of the towns they would run was Hunstanton, which is where I went to high school. So uh-huh. I went along to one of their shows and then just as luck would have it, uh, a couple of my friends were also looking to get into the business at the same time. And we were in, we were in what's called sixth form, which is kind of like the, the gap between, uh, high school and university in the UK. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we uh, my friend Jim just said to me, Hey, you know, those, that, 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 that promotion that comes and does the town hall at Hunstanton, they have a, they train, you know, they do training camps. And I went, you know, no way, like really. And it was in Norwich was about 45 minutes from, from where I grew up. And so, and that was it. We just signed up and went along. And so then for like my first year in the business, I was, I trained with them and then, um, they would, they would do sort of intensive weekend camps and then like a, sort of I I guess about once a month or really whenever they could fit it in because they were they were running their own shows and stuff. So and they were busy because the the holiday camps and if you've had Marty on, he probably explained this too. But the easiest way to describe it is there there are a lot of mini um resorts, like sort of vacation resorts all 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 along the coast in in, in the UK um, pretty much all the way around the, you know, the entire coastline, there will be these, there'll be, there'll be holiday camps and what they, they're somewhere between a campsite and a, and a resort because uh-huh. they're, you primarily, you're either going to stay in, in like a caravan, which is like a trailer, but like a you know, but they're, they're just there permanently for for vacations, or you're going to stay in like a chalet, um, mm. which is slightly better, <laughs> and, <laughs> an upgrade <laughs> slightly better. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then basically these camps would have, you know, obviously they would have, uh, they would have a direct access to the beach. And then they would also have, usually it'd have a pool or a couple of pools. And then they would have, um, you know, some arcades, maybe like some kids play, you know, player stuff. They would have, um, you know, they'd be, depending on how, what, how, depending on the quality of the camp, they'd have different things. They might have like, and then they have different activities like, you know, archery or whatever for, you know, for different things. And then that the other thing that was the sort of the calling card of the holiday camps was they would have free cabaret entertainment every night. And it would, one night it would be a, a comedian. The next night it would be a, a, you know, an ABBA tribute band, whatever. And, and wrestling would, was a very staple part of the, the entertainment cycle of the holiday camps because it's, you know, it's cyclical, it's, and it's cheap. Um, yeah. and it, and it works for kids. And so for us, What's funny? What we when we were coming up in, in the UK, we would always sort of lament about how it was going to be so much harder for us because we're in England and like it's not America and like they're going to think we we, we we you know we sound funny, we have a strange accent, we're not you hmm. know we're not we're not cool like Americans and stuff like that. And thinking, God, it must be so much better like learning to be a wrestler in America. I bet they have really good facilities, you know, and all these things <laughs> we think of, cause we'd have you know we'd have just yeah. you know, like a little ring in a in a in a room, and you know we'd be that's how we would train. Mm -hmm. Um, not not you know at the time unbeknownst to us it was it's pretty much the same everywhere in the world yeah
0: (laughs) not much different anywhere but But you know one thing one thing marty did mention though he said that uh and i don't know if this was it seasonal it would be a summer thing or spring, yeah whatever yeah mostly Uh, mostly in the summer yeah yeah, he said it it gave you an opportunity because each one was different it wasn't though you were working for say an outfit or whatever and so you could go out and be a completely different character you could be a heel or something and try on something a completely different you want to wear a different outfit or something and it it really was a great training ground because you could just have that freedom
1: 100 percent. that was marty and i many times uh, you know together would like we would do certain camps where because like i say because these these venues were would have these sort of, they were all purpose sort of cabaret entertainment venues. A lot of the, a lot of things like the costumes and stuff for different acts and stuff would all just sit backstage. So a lot of the time, just, just, to, just as a joke, we would like rummage through the, the wardrobe, you know, and just for sort of the d- department and just find all these different things. Like, Oh, I'm going to go out with a feather boa this week, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to grab one of these, you know, and, and stuff like that. And yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, it was, it, it, it and this is this is like the point i was making about how at the time we thought maybe we were at a disadvantage not yeah. not i at the time that we had a huge advantage over over yeah. america pretty much anyone else in the business because when i i remember having a conversation with bruce pritchard when bruce was running tna mm-hmm. um, but he he basically kind of admitted, like, I don't know anything about you. I don't know. I don't know what experience you have. I don't know what you've done in the business prior to coming here or whatever. And I was like, Well, I started in, you know, I started here and blah 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 and this and that. I said, Bruce, I was a full time wrestler by the time I was eighteen, and my first full time year, I probably wrestled two hundred matches. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know how I don't know how good they were, but I wrestled two hundred of them because you know the the summer season you know if you were busy and and at the time you know i i managed to i was fortunate enough to get to get noticed and get t- taken on by Brian Dixon who was the the most successful british promoter of all time mm-hmm. and he he had the butlins parks and you know butlins at that it has grown to such a point now that wwe have run several live events at butlins parks now but you know so we had those and um between you know if you were on that if you were full time on that team alone it was six six days a week from probably um i want to say may through to about september it was six days a week just just that alone but then also i would get um uh like like ricky knight for example page's dad you know he would there would be a couple of parks that he would have maybe he would be double booked you know he would he would need it so then what he would do would he would get a team together you know and basically just keep a little for himself um like a commission and say hey yeah, we need a team to run a one-hour show at this park. You need two show, you know, whatever. So we would do have those, and then I managed to get a couple of my own small independent parks for me and my friends. We would we we had a ring and would go and run those, and and for us, like that was huge money because we got to keep all of it, you know. So yeah. so, times, you know, so if I was if I was if I was, you know, the busiest point in in the summer of those times, we might wrestle ten times a week, you know, because I know I know just just on Wednesdays we would do two we would do two shows back to back they were because it was there were two miles of the the camps the resorts were two miles apart which seems crazy but because it's a captive audience you know a completely different audience right and um so i mean just that alone we would and and those shows by the way we would do two singles matches and then a tag because the the heels would come out and interfere in the second singles match, (laughs) tag match so you'd wrestle twice so we would literally i would literally wrestle four times on a wednesday
0: yeah because i mean do you look back at that and say what a what a great period of time that was in your life yeah. uh going out there and basically doing whatever you wanted to do i imagine
1: oh we were just you know sometimes there would be 10 people there you know and then yeah. sometimes <laughs> sometimes there would be it was funny because we would pray for bad weather because if we had bad weather you know we knew that we would get a good house because everyone, <laughs> was, uh, you know, we right. had one i had one show once and it was at hemsby which was one of the parks that that, that ricky had had um you know handed off to us and it was re- it was pouring down with rain, and we were so excited because it was a full house, and we were like, "This would be great," you know. And it was, we were wrestling all my friends, and we were having a good time. And then, and and the, we, we get halfway through the first match, and the people start going crazy, and we went, "Wow, people are really into this." And then we sort of look up, and a, hu- and a and a a, a pipe had burst. <laughs> it was just there was water like gushing everywhere, and I said, like, "Oh, that's where I was going crazy."
0: Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So, so when did it get uh, really serious? I mean, at some point. Uh, where did you say, you know, obviously you were earning a living, but where, yeah. you know, you, you t- said, now I'm going to take this somewhere else. And what was the break?
1: Well, I, w- yeah, we, we were definitely having fun uh, for sure. That's where, that's how I met. That's where, that's where I became really good friends with, with Tom, uh, Tom Latimer, who's who people know as Bram. Um, we, we were on the Dixon. We were the sort of low men on the totem pole on the, on the all-star wrestling on the Brian Dixon circuit and stuff. So that's how we became best friends. And yeah, but you're not making any money, right? Like yeah. pretty much what, you know, we were, uh, you know, I was, I was probably I was sort of making 40 or 50 quid a show. So by the time you, you know, so yeah, I mean, you wrestle, so you're making 300 a week maybe, you know, if you're lucky. Yeah. And, and 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 so like with expenses, but, you know, you're paying for all your food, you know, you're not paying for, you're not paying for um, hotels or anything because you're staying on the parks, whatever, but, you know, with just, just food and and then obviously we would go out drinking most nights and stuff like that. And then so, with the rest you know, of it. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know, you, when you're 18 19 yeah, yeah. it's like that's all you want to do um uh yeah and so you know you no yeah not no not really yeah. uh not exactly not exactly making a living as opposed to but yeah. but i guess in the sense that because i was on the road six days a week i would literally go back to my parents house one day a week to do laundry and then go back out so it's kind of like i didn't ha- i wasn't i wasn't losing any money or i wasn't making any right so it was kind of like but it was was what I wanted to do, and um, but obviously at some point, you know, Tom and I, because there were a lot of guys on those circuits who were pretty much lifers, who were like, "This is this is as far as I'm going to go." They were they and they were happy with that. Tom and yeah. I, obviously, and and Marty and other guys, we had we had bigger visions, and um, I I remember saving up, basically saving up for six months. Um, just whatever I could sort of keep, you know, a little bit every week from 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 wrestling uh, to save up to to fly out to the states to go to Harley Races Camp. Mm. Um, I went, yes, yeah, so I went to Eldon, Missouri, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: which is a boy,
1: bus
0: I hope that wasn't your first visit to the states because that <laughs> might
1: it was, it was. <laughs> but I did, I had, I did have a brief stop in Atlanta first, so it was yeah. kind of like I like, I do like Atlanta, but um yeah i went to yeah i went to went to eldon missouri and um yeah that was uh it was an experience uh yeah. yeah but but to be fair the the training was excellent and mm. uh to be around harley was yeah. you know was so great and um they had they had guys from from pro wrestling noah in japan they were affiliated with harley at the time so we were learning a lot from the Japanese. and the Japanese are just so good at teaching because they're so strict on their on on technique and stuff like that and um coming out of that I remember Harley pulled me to one side, um, about four or five days. In. Cause I, I, I had, I had half a decent look at that point. You know, I was probably 19, I think at the time or 20. And I was, I had a pretty decent physique for a 20 year old at that point. And I remember Harley pulled me to a side and and said to me, you know, you're, you're, you're on the right track here, kid. You know, you're going to, you could, you could do something in the business if you keep at it sort of thing. And that was all I needed to just to be like, okay, I'm um, I'm to, for lack of a better term, I'm all in on this. Yeah. You know I mean? I'm going to yeah. keep going. And, um, yeah, he uh, would know,
0: I would say Harley race would know.
1: I would, sh- yeah. And, and oh, he's I, a
0: shooter. I don't think he would, he would fill you full of, uh, yeah. false dreams. That, that, that
1: was pretty much what I, and then, um, I came, I came back from, I went back to England after that, um, immediately felt like I was better. And then as luck would have it, um, that was uh, a few months after that was when um i got a call i had i'd done a small acting thing i got i, got, I managed to, i put in for a casting there was a casting thing came around for wrestlers looking for a wrestler to play this play this role in this sort of live uh motorcycle show um mm-hmm. and i put in for it and got it and it was you know it was it was good money for me at the time because i think it was about like four or five grand for you know for the week and i was like ah oh, great mm-hmm. you know it it way better than wrestling yes. uh, so I, so I, and I got this thing and it was basically just like this sort of it was kind of like this uh, live sort of Mad Max style show yeah. like Thunderdome yada yada uh, and I basically just had to um, host it almost but just sort of in uh-huh. character right was like uh-huh. a sort of you know and it was fun it was easy and the director of that was also an agent he had a, he had a he specialized in stunt guys mostly, but he was an agent. And he said to me, "Look, I've got an agency. I mostly deal with stunt guys, but every now and then I get stuff for guys like you. Um, you know, do you want to? You know, I'll keep your I'll keep your mind. You know, you want to you want to be on the books?" I said, "Absolutely." A few months later, he called me and said, "Hey, they're bringing back gladiators. I'm going to put yeah. you in." For- And that was, and that was, and it was as simple as that. He said, you know, can you, he's like, I'm, I'm I'm assuming you can swim and you can, you're not afraid of heights and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, there was a national championships for swimming. So I I think I'm okay. (laughs) And then, uh, Yeah. yeah. And then that was it. And I, and I went, that went down to the auditions and, um, fortunately for me, you know, despite the fact I was like probably the youngest guy there or one of the youngest guys there i had i had a half decent look but what really set me apart was when they had us do all these physical stuff and i was in good shape then because i was re- you know cardio wise because i was wrestling every day so i whipped through the the assault course stuff no problem mm-hmm. but it was when the there were, i mean there were a lot of guys there who i recognized from tv shows and movies and muscle and fitness man i was thinking oh god i got no shot here do you know what i mean but then yeah. The thing that set me apart was that then they, they pulled all these cameras out and all these guys who were so full of bravado and charisma when there was no cameras around, these cameras came out and suddenly they just all shriveled up. You know, they all just completely shelled up and they were just doing these terrible promos like, girl, I'm going to smash you to pieces. And it yeah. was, oh, well, producer, oh, thank you. That's great. They came to me and I just reeled off one of my, because you know this, like when you have, you, got, you have like, you, you have your sort of go-to A, B, C, D. Yeah, you know, cut I, a promo yeah i just reeled off one of my house show promos and they were just like wow that's great you know and then and, and i just and, and, I, and i and i got the part and that was and then obviously from that the platform was huge um, yeah. i made myself on that because again i was the only guy who could really talk and then that led to getting tna's attention and within within a year of doing that I did two seasons of that show i was i was ready to i signed on the line with tna and and the rest is history
0: wow yeah, because I was one. I know they coincided, but I uh, I didn't realize that that was kind of the the launching point, at least at least getting the attention of other people. Because uh, you know that show was certainly huge here in the in America, but uh, yeah, you know the UK version. Uh, what were you were you were Oblivion? Is that was that the what was it? Yeah. What was your character Oblivion? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, but you know, uh, it's amazing though that that training, like you said, uh, doing uh, these. These shows at the, uh, uh, you know, the holiday places. Yeah. Uh, you, you were training to be a performer, uh, you know, and uh, and everything that went with it. Uh, so I mean, with with with, with TNA, was that uh, just a major like wow? Uh, you know, I don't know what it was like when you got there, but uh, what was that experience like when you first came over? I mean, did they they uh, give you a good push.
1: Yeah, they they did, and honestly, I really wasn't ready for it. I, I think there was there was a bit of a disconnect uh, creatively because they they basically got this idea in their head that I was. So <laughs> my son's done another run-in.
0: He's got a new song.
1: Um, they had, <laughs> a run-in. <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> because the creative team had heard, I think was a sort. Of, there were two different versions of it. One yes. one version that Dixie had seen the show and she was like. I want this guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the other version is, and this is what Kurt's told me himself. Kurt Angle was over doing media in the UK and he saw the show on TV in his hotel and said, have you seen, like, and he called the office and said, have you seen this guy on the show? He's got to be a wrestler. There's no way that this guy's not a pro wrestler. Like no one, no one that who's not a wrestler. And it was funny because then apparently, you know, according to Kurt, then they said, oh, yeah, we signed him. (laughs) So. When they when they set the creative team up to sort of they put them on task and said okay this is the guy we're bringing in, they kind of explained to him like yeah this is his thing he's he's a he's a he's from Gladiators or whatever right and yeah. I somewhere along the line the wires got crossed and <laughs> clearly. I don't know whether it was Vince Russo or who, who it was because no one's ever, no one's ever admitted to it, but some so clearly along somewhere along the line, they they got their wires crossed and thought that I was obviously on like a, an actual Roman gladiator type of show.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> of like Spartacus or something. Clearly they'd never watched it yeah. um, because then I come in and suddenly I'm, you know, presented with this character like, Oh, he's a Roman gladiator and he's, <laughs> <laughs> but I saw sort of went, why because the whole thing is that I stood out on the Gladiator show by being a wrestler.
0: Yeah.
1: Like because I was the one cutting these crazy promos and saying these outrageous right. things, where the other guys were trying to be stoic and serious and blah blah blah. And I was like, no, this I saw Gladiator's for what it was. I knew it was sports entertainment. So yeah. I and it was just funny because it was a real it was frustrating at first in TNA because they wanted me to be this stoic. Boring gladiator character, yeah. and I was like, Magnus. Yes, and I was yeah. like, that's <laughs> not who I am. Like that's I, the whole point of this. That I I was like this brash, over the top heel.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was tough at first because obviously, when you're young and green, you're not. You know, you're not really in a position to be like, guys, that's not my character. You know, that's not yeah. who I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
0: just you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, you're young. You don't want to cause any trouble or waves. You got an opportunity here. You know. So I, I did it as best can,
1: obviously it didn't work at all it was It was, was completely crap, and so unfortunately for me, they saw enough of i think after that then they sort of went back and looked at what I was doing before, and they saw and they saw enough of me interacting backstage because I've never had a problem you know and, and this could be a, this could be a, a, a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you talk to. but I've always been fairly confident in myself, you know, backstage right from the beginning. there was never any I, I was never one of these guys that was kind of like. Oh, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. What did you think? You know, obviously I've always been respectful, but I've always carried myself in a a certain way just because that's just nature. And I think that they saw enough of that to go, this guy's, you know, this guy's a heel. This guy's a sort of, you know, (laughs) pompous kind of arrogant heel like that's who he needs to be. And then uh they they want they had been looking for a way to bring in Doug Williams because Doug was such a great wrestler but but they thought he was lacking in sort of mic skills and character at the time. They weren't sure what how to plug him into the show. Mm-hmm. And that that was what gave us the opportunity to be the tag team, which was a British invasion, which I still look back on really fondly and, and pretty much was just such a great I always think that I always think that the, the best way for guys to the green guys to be introduced to television to come in is to be a part of a tag team. Like yeah. I would uh, yeah. you know because when you look at some of the greats like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, you know they 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 coming in as part of a tag team allows them to be less exposed, but to only show their best stuff, mm-hmm. and then and then as they learn the other part of it, the promos and the you know and, and, and developing their character and everything, then you know it's, then you can slowly break away on your own. And I was that was that was perfect for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, look what happened with Rock. I mean, finally they put him in a position where he was around other people, then was able to just come alive yeah so that's uh that's exactly right uh so uh you know through that that experience though um were there because you know everybody comes to the states it's you know wwe got to get to the wwe uh did you think early on that that was you know that was the pinnacle that was the where you were working to get to
1: yeah i i did um and i think that Honestly, if I, you know, to, I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't say that for a while in TNA, I was still thinking that way. And then probably I had one conversation with WWE the first time my contract was coming up for renewal, I had a brief conversation and they, and, uh, the person I spoke to, I won't say who it was, but they were, they, they, they were like, we are very, very interested. So I basically, um, at the time, you know, we were, we were negotiating uh, TNA and I were negotiating and they they were, so they were trying not to budge and everything like that. So I just said, okay, you know, um, I guess we'll just, you know, this I'll just move on. And I mm-hmm. think they, and it was the first taste that they got that maybe I wasn't necessarily like most guys my age in that respect, where yeah. I was willing to sort of take that risk and be like, all right, well, I guess I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave, you know, because I think they thought well, oh, he's only on a visa and he's only got, you know, he'll have to leave the country and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so then they, then they acquiesced and, and that was how I was able to get, you know, a guarantee and everything like that.
0: What year was that?
1: It was 2010.
0: T- 10. Okay. So, um, and uh, did you realize, and I don't know if you knew people who had all, who had, you know, maybe been brought in in the de- developmental uh, who, you know, it was before NXT and I knew a lot of people that were down working that, you know, Dusty was down there um, and uh, FCW, you know, and they, yeah. but it, these are guys that had been, they didn't just bring anybody in. You had to really be at that point where they thought this is somebody who could go. And this is before yeah. NXT was developing. Uh, did you also see that? I mean, that's probably what you would have had to do first, I would think. Right. And did you think, well, you know what? I'm, look at these people I'm working with.
1: Uh, that uh, it's,
0: so in- it's so
1: interesting. You said that because that yeah. was exactly it. I I did have friends who were in FCW, and you know, again, not n- not to say anything bad about that system at that time, but they yeah. were miserable. They were they they were like, I can't believe that I got signed to the WWE, and this is what I'm doing. You know, they they were miserable because half of their half of their they were they were they were at practice. If they weren't at practice, they were doing sort of these weird things like having to go and put posters up and all yeah. this almost like it was part of, they, they obviously had this idea in the head that, you know, the guys need to pay their dues, but the whole, but the thing, like all these guys were like, I've paid my dues, you know, that's why I'm here. So they were, they were, they were pretty demoralized. And so I would hear a lot of this. Um, and I had, I had a guarantee, uh, you know, what, Certainly wasn't making huge money, but it was, it was, but it was comfortable. And, and look uh, at some
0: of the guys you were working with too
1: oh well, yes and this was it and i also had i had some free time i was, I was loving life i was in clearwater yeah. florida you know like coming from england to live in clearwater florida and yeah. water beach and there's like hot chicks everywhere and i've you know yeah. got, got a bit of money in my pocket got some free time and i'm a wrestler on tv i was like this is great but then yes to look at it and go okay so if i was to try and go to yeah. you know wwe and developmental i'm going to be at wrestling school with with you know other guys like me and i didn't and i sort of thought i don't know how much i'm going to learn from that whereas uh my first year you know in in tna I, I worked with the dudleys i worked with you know beer money who were super hot acts i worked with you know booker t and scott steiner i worked yeah. with aj and you know and then like later on i'm working with aj and Joe. obviously doug Williams is my tag partner for crying out loud you know it's like and the the, the vibe at tna was very different you know where you you weren't walking around on eggshells. You weren't sort of worried about having heat with anyone, um, and it was very uh, at that point anyway. The atmosphere was still very kind of yeah. There were the top guys. It was like Sting and Kevin Nash and Booker and Kurt and you know and and Scott and all these guys. But they you know they were all cool to me. Like I remember mm-hmm. being, being really worried about. Being around sort of Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner because you you know you read all these sort of revisionist history things about the you know about WCW and stuff and you, and you go oh my god it's going to be and they were the coolest guys they were so cool to me you know like Kevin right right off the bat was like you know you're 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 one of my guys you're with me you know and mm. Scott Steiner was always super cool to me and I you know still friends to this day and mm. you know Booker would mess with you but only to see if you could take it you know it wasn't it wasn't like a it wasn't malicious you know he would. Yeah to see if you could if you would cut you know, could cut the mustard billy gun uh-huh. you know i come back billy Gunn and be like god damn you did one thing good but you did five things that were the shits you know like this was terrible yeah. you know but he's doing it in a way to, to make you better you know like you know and and there was just this real sort of camaraderie all the way around where everybody wanted everyone to deliver and and to be good you know there was none of this sort of, oh he's gonna take my spot you know there was a little bit of that but not really any anything oh you need
0: that though too you <laughs> get you know
1: yeah, and i just remember just being around and i just i learned so much through osmosis you know and that's even to this day i'll still run into people who you know guy who are, who are you know veterans and stuff who 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 were around uh me in my early days at tna and they all they say the same thing what i take as a huge compliment they go man i never saw someone improve as quickly as you mm. you know and because i wasn't and that's you know, that's because I had a lot of improving to do. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. You know, I wasn't very good, but, but it, but it was, it meant a lot to me that they understood that I had picked it up quickly. And and I only did that because I was around good people. You have no choice, but to get better when you're around such good people.
0: Yeah. But it, it seems, I mean, you have a, a great uh, loyalty to TNA because it, uh, it sounds like that, uh, when you were ready to that point and, and like you said, I mean, when you got there, you weren't, but, it's how you became who you are in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you know a lot of people can look at different paths. And I remember I, I was down at FCW. Like I said, I knew many of the people down there and I'd gone to one of the uh, training sessions. And I remember Seamus was down there, but um, that was the impression I got too. I just felt that um, there were certainly some stars there. You could say, yeah, you know what? These guys are going to be there, but it, it, it also seemed at the time. And I think NXT may have has certainly changed that now, but then I could understand where that, that 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 feeling may have come from but it seems like a blessing that the timing of that was was uh the way it was for you i,
1: I mean look, you know we we all just have to sort of make our decisions and on our path in in the business but for me i looked at it and went uh okay it's not it's not under the wwe banner yeah. but i'm basically getting to i'm basically getting to be the person that I wanted to be, you know, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to get in the business, be a wrestler on TV. And I, I never thought I would get the chance to wrestle Kurt Angle and Booker T yeah. and all these guys I grew up watching. I never thought I would get that chance. The fact that I did was like, Oh, this is great. You know, my first ever thing I did with TNA was a media day with Mick Foley, you know,
0: yeah, well,
1: wow. I'm, I'm being, I'm going around and I felt so out of place because they're interviewing me because I had, so, I had some profile in the UK because of gladiators and they're sort of presenting me as, 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 You know, the same level as Mick Foley. And I'm going around going like, who wants to talk to me? You know, like, (laughs) oh, that's Mick Foley. (laughs) uh, Mick, obviously, you know, one of the most gracious, you know, great guys ever. And again, someone who I, you know, still have a good relationship to this day. I just did a tour of Australia with him recently. It was really good to sort of reconnect with him. And again, you know, just... Being around all these people, you know, Mick's book was the first wrestling book I read, you know, and so, you know, just, he's obviously to a lot of us in our generation. He was a, a huge influence because it was because he opened the door to to documenting your whole journey and, and that whole different element of the business that the guys could then sort of monetize and take advantage of.
0: Yeah. And and from your perspective, uh, Nick, it's a uh, will fast forward here a little bit through it. Um, but. Your career really is as seen how these the independent ranks have, have fared, and uh, you know after probably early on after you know 2000, it's been a struggle for many of them, and we and that would include the NWA. And uh, but what's happened? What do you see happening now? Because I, I tell you that um, I was just so enlightened when uh, you know talking to a lot of people at at, at Starcast and also at you know the All In event. That uh, what we're really seeing with independent wrestling now that um, many of these really, really talented individuals like you and Marty and, and Cody and their, and the young bucks there, but there are many others that uh, don't necessarily have to choose that path anymore. You know, getting signed doesn't, what does that mean anymore? Where now I, 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 you guys yeah. are in charge of your own destiny and uh, like the merchandise. I mean, I, I don't know the numbers and I don't know that you're for you, but I know that you know, you all have this tremendous merchandise, and probably making probably almost as much than what you do stepping into the ring, and it's just awesome to see because it's not, say, a promoter controlling all of this anymore.
1: I think that's 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 definitely the appeal is yeah. the is, is the idea that, um, in, in and again, it's very ironic that that the the sort of, you know, arguably the pinnacle moment of All In was the NWA World's Title match, you know, <laughs> because right, yeah. Because it was, because uh, it, in many ways it's, it was, it was, you know, it was a sort of this whole new thing that's happening in the modern era, but with, but at the same time with the oldest title, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was very, 70 very,
0: years. That's yeah, that is, it's just, it's just amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and so, um, yes, it was, it, I think that, I think the main, the main thing is obviously the ability to deliver content, the, mm-hmm. the, as as we move as we move more and more online and more and more digital and more and more cloud based uh you can instantly you know the 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 accessibility of technology uh and the ability to edit and put together some pretty pretty compelling content um very very quickly uh mm-hmm. as, because ultimately we're in the business of making movies we're in the business of making people feel something and you know, we all used to dream of. If I can do just enough on this independent show. If I can do just enough, you know, on with this crappy equipment, you know, to 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 give WWE a chance to see that there might be an opportunity. You know, there might be something there. Once I get that WWE machine behind me, and they and they shoot me in there with their multi-million-dollar facility, and they and they edit this and they frame me in such a way, God, I'll look like a superstar.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't need that now because now you can. Like, for example, I did, I went I went, I went. to the same guy that did Marty's villain vignettes and said, can we, I don't know what I want to do yet, but I just want to riff. I want to just sit down and like, just vent about my frustrations and what's going on and blah, 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 and, and put something together for me. This is the kind of feel I want to go for. This is the kind of vibe. And I paid him a few hundred bucks mm. and he put it out. And I had, yeah. and, and that now I have, you know, and then I had, I had these four or five, you know, really high quality vignettes and right away they paid for themselves because tommy dreamer saw them and was like uh this is i can i use these on house of hardcore i'm like sure you know and and so i was booked on all the shows that coincided with the nwa stuff and everything else so then it's just that's the that's the level we're at now and and so what you can do is you can deliver this stuff instantly yourself and so if you can if you as long as you can you know you have a bit of ingenuity as far as um you know like knowing how to make people pay attention but yeah but the, the quality is much easier to achieve in terms of production so i think now you can you create a situation where you can really frame yourself to be a star and and you don't need a big company to do it and i think all in was the perfect example of that because it was just a it was just a it was a basically a, a a version of that scaled up and scaled up and scaled up to the point where they went now we're ready to do this ourselves yeah. and that's where it's going to keep going and i think it's going to become more and more balkanized the market you know it's going to become more and more fragmented but in a really good way and i think there's going to be almost like the old territory days where there's going to be a, a, a there's going to be a number of of well-known wrestlers who can sort of travel around to different places that can then help that particular promotion in that particular area and that particular, you know, the people they're working with and stuff. And that's what I that's what I tried to do with the, with the world championship when I had, it was to basically, again, uh, a, a, a traditional method but with a modern day you know delivery system which was the traveling champion thing except the difference was is that everyone in the world can see it now if they want to because hey i'm gonna i'm you know i defended the title on four different continents you know in the space of less than a year so it's like hey here he is in china defending the title here he's in australia defending the title he's in the uk defending the title. it's america and people are getting to see it because before they could only read about it with flair and guys like that now they can actually see it and they're going wow this is really cool
0: yeah and with the uh what else is really interesting about how you, you've gotten all these different uh, promotions to come together where you've got, you know, NWA, uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Uh, Do they see it the same way? It it kind of reminds me in a, in a sense of the old uh, territory system where, you know, you would uh, trade talent and have people come back and forth. And then, uh, you know, some of them would have a belt that they would, uh, you know, Do you see that 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 happening and, and why has that been able to happen how do these promotions uh see it as a
1: well, a big win for all of them that's definitely what happened with ring of honor for sure you know it was right. all you know we basically and look the, the the reality is is that it came about because because of the because there are some guys who have enough star power that's the reality yeah. Yeah. and that's pretty much, and that's when that, and really when you look back on it that's probably how it was before too was like Hey, if Jerry Lawler wants to do this, then we're going to make a way. We're going to find a way to make it happen because Jerry Lawler's putting butts in seats, you know, in Memphis, yeah. right? And it was it was yeah. kind of the same thing. Whereas, like, Cody really wanted to do this, uh, and they knew, and you know, Cody and the, Bu- the Ring of Honor had allowed Cody and the Bucks to do this event, and then they and they went and you know, I think it was one of these things where it's like, well, all right, well, let's see if they can do it. You know, give them a chance. Like, it would make them happy, and then they went and sold it out in thirty minutes, and they went, oh, yeah. right, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> This is real. And then, and then, so, you know, we got, like I said, I got, you know, before, before the tickets went on sale, we got Cody's attention. So technically our match was the only if announced match before the tickets went on sale. Cause it was like the last thing that Cody says, Oh, by the way, I'm challenging for the NWA world's championship. Yeah. And it was, and it basically, that's, that's pretty much what it was like, These, they knew that that's what he wanted. And it just comes down to leverage. You know, it's just business. It's like, okay, well, this is what these guys want to do. And we want to keep them happy because they're, they're pulling the wagon and in our respect, it was like, well, you know, if Nick's happy to do this, then we, you know, then it, it seems like a good opportunity for us, it, you know, and they, they came and said, do you want to do this? I said, absolutely. Seems like good business. You know, we all got together at the table and said, okay, well, if we can get this out of it and you know get that out of it, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, so then ring of honor said, okay, well, we want Nick for a number of shows and, you know, and it was just, and we, and we all worked it out. It was very, very easy. And then, yeah. and we all, you know, it, it's a rare thing. It's a rare thing, which is ironic to say. is a rare thing when we can create a situation where everybody benefited to to an extent. Yeah. Um, but it, but if you look back, that's how it was always done back in the day. And we said, what, what what's changed really? Only the fact that we've got this one giant company that decide that they want to, you know, take all the decision making privileges. And we just said, uh, you know, most of the time, if you bring everybody to the table and everybody articulates what they need to get out of it to make it work, then you'll get the right thing, you know, because ultimately if you're good at this, you know, that you can't, sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail, you know what Mm I mean? Yeah. And so, and I think that there's this, there's this bit of, there's a bit of a strange thing that goes on where a lot of, a lot of people who run things, you know, in the, in different companies, and I'm not talking about WWE because I don't have any experience there. I'm talking about TNA. My, my experience at TNA was that you get these guys that would say things like, Oh, don't worry about that. You just worry about wrestling and we'll worry about writing. And it's like, well, no, because, you know, I'm an independent contractor. Like, I, you know, you, I, of course, I worry about wh- how you're portraying me because I've got to go make a living tomorrow. Yeah. You know, after that, and the day after that. And uh, and I think, like I say, when when we just proved that when you bring everyone to the table and everybody says what they need to get out of it to make it a good piece of business, you get a good
0: piece of business. Yeah, well, and and look where we are now. This event taking place in Nashville on October twenty first, folks. The uh, NWA seventieth anniversary show. Uh, but th- th- what I really love about this, and of course, you know, I witnessed it firsthand with what Vince McMahon was able to do with this business, and and the, you know, these promotion king and and a genius in many ways. Uh, but you know, uh, this this doesn't remind me of that kind of promotion. This reminds me of like almost like a like a Don King fight. Like that you guys, you knew you had these great heavyweights and yeah, you know, they're going to have this bout and, uh, you know what, it doesn't matter how it ends. People are going to want to see these two back in there, you know, and and it's like, it started all in and, and, uh, regardless what, how, whatever would the outcome of that match was going to be, you, people were already talking about what was going to happen after. And so, you know, it does, you guys really have created that, that, uh, that you know the the authentic bout and, and like I I love the weigh in I thought that that was brilliant, you know yeah. and and the and the you know the, that that uh, the moment before the bout and and uh, you know you, like you got the ref in there and you're looking at each other you know it's that
1: yeah 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 it's a
0: rivalry you know yeah. and so and yeah so, so, so you know what I'm saying it's it's different than a a WWE promotion in that sense like a WrestleMania match superpowers or whatever no this is this is too this, you know this is mcgregor this is you know like surprise, uh, fight.
1: surprise uh, fight for sure and i'm a huge yeah. mcgregor I'm a huge mcgregor fan and i'm a huge i'm a huge fight business fan i love the fight business you know i love the fight
0: i'll business. tell you what i think uh, i think mcgregor uh probably watched a lot of wrestling in his day because uh you, you know he learned a lot about what what to do outside of that ring yeah, and, and he it. he's referenced it several times if you oh, listen to yeah
1: what does reference vince and he's referenced rick flair and different things like he, he gets it you know he understands like what 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 it it's takes to, you know, yeah he understands what it takes to resonate with an audience beyond just you know what you do in the ring it has to be there has to be there has to be things about you that people can remember and those things are simple
0: yeah it's a,
1: ca- it's a catchphrase it's a walk it's a look it's a you know it's a, it's a something you do and uh, absolutely and look uh, um for me the 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 prize fight approach just seemed to be the logical way forward because like i say uh if it's all about it getting mileage getting as much mileage out of one thing as you can um because mm-hmm. you know there is a tendency in my generation of guys and the generation who come after me there's a there's a tendency to give give the audience everything you've possibly got in every match yeah and there's this there's there's this sort of polarized uh opinion where they think that when guys like me say you know less is more they think that it's a, it's oh, I'm 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 encouraging people to be lazy and phone it in like no that's not that's not what i'm saying you know yeah. you don't get what i'm saying is is that if they're going to be it's 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 going to you know you sometimes it's really fun to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you know what I mean. Sometimes, sometimes it's really fun to just go there and just go nuts. Like you know, I like when you when you when you know when you stay at a hotel and they've got a really good breakfast buffet, and suddenly suddenly you eat all these things that you would never normally eat for breakfast. I'm going to go. I'm going to go up once and I'm going to have pancakes and sausage. And to no, now I'm going to have the whipped cream on there. Yeah, never buy muesley, I'm going to have muesli today. I'm going to have melon. I'm going to have this and I'm going to that. And I'm going to have yogurt. you know, it's fine every now and then. Yeah. But really, what you remember is when you go to a, a great restaurant and you go, man, they they did this, you know, I had this perfect this, and I had this, you know, whatever, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and it was so perfectly done, and it was just the right amount, and it was, oh, God, but I was just finished. I was just perfectly satisfied, not too full. Oh, and the dessert was perfect. It was just the perfect way to finish off the meal. You know, sometimes you want that, and sometimes you want Golden Corral, right? And, yeah. and, and, so, and so my thing is... <laughs> there's been a lot of all you can eat buffet <laughs> you know there's yeah. been a lot of where it's just like hey if you like this move wait till you see this move and then this move and this and, this. Yeah. and, and what we did was went mm, we want you to feel why it's important first and then we also want to leave enough things to where people want to see it again and i hope that we've you know we've been able to achieve that and i think that you know the the first day of ticket sales were, were very strong you know that and uh the 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 pre-interest on f- the pre-orders on fight for the pay-per-view uh, and all that were you know were enough to make us go okay you know we we, we yeah we, we, the theory is is proving and uh for us you know we we've we've got a rivalry on our hands here and and um yeah it's like i said like i said the day after all in i said we've 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 only just begun
0: yeah and it it's really it's fun to watch i have to tell you nick um uh, one other aspect of this too, and I didn't mention it before, but uh, you touched on it in a sense that uh, how you've connected with people and you've been able to do these vignettes and things that you put out there. But how how big uh, do you think is the, the social media connection? Because one thing I, I believe that has really, really fueled this is uh, that these people can reach out and, and connect with you and you answer them and, uh, you know, th- it's just a completely different aspect of promotion and really that being authentic. I mean, you you know, you're, you, somebody uh, puts a tweet up or something and you respond to that tweet. There's that instant connection and it just it's, you know, just grows and grows. And I think that is a really big part of this is the social yeah. media aspect. Yeah, yeah, I, you I, don't need you don't need a big promotions team. You so don't need to, you know, it's just yeah. your phone.
1: I go through phases with it because I, I was actually just having this conversation recently, but I, um, I go through phases where sometimes I, I want to be very accessible. And then I go through phases where I kind of go a bit silent, you know, just to sort of, uh, and, and honestly, sometimes just cause I'm just, I'm just trying to take a break from it to be too busy yeah. or, you know, just make sure that I've got the right energy and stuff, because obviously look, you know, the, the more time you spend on there, the more you can attract, you know, some negativity and stuff like that. So you have yeah, there's find... our
0: trolls out there. Yeah. We know oh yeah. For...
1: <laughs> it's fine. Finding a balancing act of, yeah. of like, you no, know, how much to do to enhance it without going over the over top and 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 sort of and spoiling it, you know, and and uh, that's that. It's it's just another tool, you know. It's just another. It's it's another tool that can be, you know, it can be very very powerful, but it can also be wasted, you know. And and I think that for us, you know, especially with the build all in, we used it just right because you know yeah. just. So just it, it put a little nugget out something a little bit cryptic or whatever, just to keep people going, Oh, I wonder where this is going. What's happening next? You know, but at the end of the day, once you have because, because we got them, the hook was already set. You know, we knew that we had, you know, we knew that they, we were onto something with the rivalry people really resonated with it. And look, people can say whatever they want about me. Or like, you know, these so-called experts or internet people, whatever, they can say what they want about whether they, whether they dig the way I wrestle or whatever, but they knew that the, I provided a formidable opponent for a guy that they like and yeah. take great pride in being that guy, you know, yeah. like someone has to do it. And there's too many, you know, there's a lot of people that want to be that want to be loved and want to be the hero and stuff. And there's, you know,
0: there's a, there's an honor in being the the formidable adversary. Oh um, my God. I mean, I, I, you know, wrestlers to the, the ages, if you ask them what they enjoyed more, is yeah. being a heel i mean they just they, they love every aspect of it that's, uh, that's, d- that's the only dangerous thing about social media
1: is that because yeah. because it becomes very hard for people to differentiate between themselves you know and that guys can take yeah. that guys can start yeah. to take things personally and that's yeah. when you get these guys that sort of add like shades of gray when they sort of go oh well i'm really a nice guy in real life you know and, and it's yeah. just kind of like you have to decide who you want to be um yeah. and that you know but for me it's it's business first you know, because my personal life is personal and I'll share stuff when I feel like it. But ultimately, you know, those things are a tool to to to, to achieve what I want to achieve as far on a business level.
0: Yeah. And uh, it seems like you are right where you want to be, Nick. And I don't know if you you know plan to look back. Uh, would you ever entertain an opportunity to go with the WW or, or are you right where you are and, and, and like the fact that you're controlling every step of your destiny?
1: I I have always maintained that I am very open to any and all opportunities. You know, like I've been a free agent for a long time. Though mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of like uh, it's always it's and and you know it doesn't the 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 thing I think the thing you're going to see and this is my prediction going forward into nineteen and twenty is that mm-hmm. what you're going to see more of is you're going to see more short term agreements. You're going to see more mm-hmm. like you you know it's not this thing of like oh he's in the WWE or he's in New Japan or he's in this. Yeah forever you know and and i think you're going to start to see more and more working arrangements and it's only a matter of time before wwe i think start to entertain those things as well um and you know and and i've made it very clear before you know when i had the I had the ta- championship you know i said hey if anyone there wants to challenge for it we are open
0: to that as a business you know <laughs> and and you know yeah no it could be like the old days where you have a run you do a you know eight nine month run and when you do that you go away and then you come back you know it, right and I'm very open to that. And and there are different things, you know, and, and,
1: and, uh, yeah, you know, never say never. And I've always just been, I'm very, I'm very, I try to be as pliable as I can to a very, very rapidly changing landscape.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Nick. And, uh, it sounds like you're, you're very happy in your life, uh, outside of the ring. Uh, I know you've got a son as, uh, we heard him uh, do a couple of cameos here during our podcast and you're married to, uh, mickey james but uh, you okay. know you, you say you, you it, it works you make it balance it, uh, it balances out and, and you're making it work
1: yeah yeah this boy is destined to be in the business sean i think. <laughs> he can't, help. He can't, he can't stand the spotlight not being on him for more than more than 20 minutes
0: uh it's in his jeans yeah great. maybe <laughs> well nick it's been it's been awesome talking to you uh folks once again uh, do not miss the uh, NWA 70th anniversary show. It's taking place in Nashville on October 21st. Of course, that main event: Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, how can folks? Uh, what, what's uh, you mentioned Fight TV? How else can they get tickets and uh, yeah, what's so the best a ticket. way for them to, to be a part of it. All the
1: information is is at nwa70.com, nwa70.com is that you have access to all that. It's, yeah, it's, um, the pay-per-view is available now to, for pre-order on fight.tv. And, uh, there are a few, and I stress few, uh, general admission tickets still available for Nashville. If you want to get down there, it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge night. We're, we're crowning a new national champion. The formats for that have been released, the talent for that is incredible. Uh, and there's also, uh, the women's champion Jazz, who is as legit as legit can be, she's defending the women's title for the first time in a long time. So that's going to be really interesting to see. And uh, yeah, Billy will be there, and there's going to be some old uh, legendary NWA champions of old. And this is going
0: to night a real celebration of of the tradition, looking ahead to the future. Yeah, and what an event it is going to be. I, and I think what I think Tony Schiavone is going to be doing play by uh, play, and
1: Schiavone doing play by play. And Jim Cornette doing. We, we managed to get oh, the Grinch, man. we managed to get the Grinch to like Christmas again, Sean.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, I, I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be great.
1: we just need a we just need a classic legendary uh, backstage, backstage interview. In yeah, uh, yeah, You
0: know, you get you guys have my number. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll use all the stroke I can. Yeah. yeah pa- <laughs> all right, Nick, take care, man. It's been awesome talking to you, and uh, of course, you know, I, I tell you. I became big fans uh, that weekend. I was there, man. I'm following you guys, uh, the young bucks, and of course Cody. Uh, you know, I knew Dusty pretty well, and and uh, and I just love what what's going on in his career. But also, uh, people like you, you I, you guys are changing the business, and it's all all for the better. And it's I think it's really exciting to see what's happening.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it for a legend like yourself to to pay so much attention, and and like I said again, to to get to work with you in that small capacity was was a real thrill for me, and I hope we get to do it again.
0: All right, man, take care. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Sean.